0: Well, good morning, and uh, some of you coming in this morning may have noticed the Upside Down Christmas Trees. Uh, This is our third year as a church participating in the Advent Conspiracy, and we are trying to turn Christmas upside down. Uh, We have given, you have given, in the last two years through the Advent Conspiracy, over $60,000 to missions, and I think that is really incredible as we just reclaim the meaning of Christmas. So I hope you'll join us. There are lots of items on the trees you can go through and look, Uh, some of you may decide that you just want some of those items for your Christmas gift from people you love. When they say, hey, what do you want for Christmas? Uh, You can pick an item off that tree and say, get me this because this is a gift uh, that lasts and that makes a a difference. So we hope you'll join us this year again in the Advent Conspiracy. And hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, Did anybody eat too much? Anybody at all eat too much? Just a few of us. Well I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving and we're so glad you're here worshiping with us today and if you're a guest in town for the holiday welcome we say welcome to you and to everyone we're so glad you joined us and from my family uh, to you in particular we're so thankful to you as our church family for loving us so well um, all the time but especially the last uh, week or so as our daughter Macy was not well and in the hospital and uh, we were very thankful for the love and the support the prayers that you all gave and we were very thankful that she got to come home on Thanksgiving day so that was a that was a great thing as well so thank you all for your prayers for our family. And we are kicking off a brand new series today that we are calling Arrival. Now this series is an Advent series. Uh, And Advent is that time of the year where the church sets aside on the calendar to build up anticipation and expectation for the celebration of Christmas. Advent actually begins next Sunday. It's the four Sundays, before Christmas, but we're going to start the series, Arrival, this Sunday as we kick it off and uh, begin to turn our hearts and our minds towards Christmas. Now, I've got a question, and you have to be under the age of seven. Seven or below to answer this question. Some of you adults who always jump in with these answers, we know you know the answer. Seven or below, who can tell me what is Christmas the celebration of? Under seven. What is it? Up in the back, I can't see faces, but I see hands. What is it? Exactly right. Celebrating the birth of Jesus. I know that was one of the dosty girls. I just can't see which one it was. Uh, that's right. Celebrating the birth of Jesus. But one of the things that I want us to look at this Advent is that when we celebrate the arrival of Jesus, we're not just celebrating a one-time event. Now, it is true that at a particular point in history... Jesus was born in Bethlehem over 2,000 years ago, and, and there is certainly reason to celebrate the arrival and the birth of Jesus as he brought salvation to us, as he came and lived and taught us how to live and modeled for us. There's a lot to celebrate, but that's not the only arrival, because D, Jesus didn't just come, just come in history, but he also comes. That, that for many of us in this room, we have had an encounter with Jesus Christ, the resurrected Jesus Jesus didn't just come, but he comes to us. We need him every day. We need his presence in our life on a daily basis. But it's even better than that because his arrival isn't just about the past and it isn't just about the present. It's also about the future. That as we think about Advent, we think about Jesus' promise that he said, I am going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and take you to be with me where I am. Not just that he came, but that he comes and that he is coming. So during this series called Arrival, we're going to look at the ways that Jesus comes to us in the past, in our present, and in the future. But before we can really celebrate, before we can fully appreciate something, we have to first anticipate it. We have to first desire it. Now, I don't know how many of you uh, grew up in a house or were in a house this Thanksgiving where somebody slow roasted the turkey overnight. Anybody? Like somebody got up and put the turkey in the. Uh, yeah, people are doing these deep fryers, like they, they advertise you can get it done in an hour. I, I'm sure that's delicious, but I love the fact that when my house starts to smell through the night like the turkey, you know, you know what I'm talking about you're nodding your head like you begin to smell it especially if somebody else is getting up and putting the turkey in the oven like I'm not so sure it's a great thing if I'm the one doing it but if somebody else is doing that and what happens you wake up and you already smell Thanksgiving dinner and and what happens all day long the anticipation Builds right. There is this growing anticipation, and especially if you're not going to eat until dinner time, I mean, and that smell is just, and you're trying to sneak food, you know, from the kitchen all the time. The anticipation helps us to appreciate the turkey all the more. As a matter of fact, I'm going to confess something kind of strange about me, because really, it's only when you do without something. When you, when, you sort of, um, when you sort of deny yourself the pleasure that you can fully appreciate it, we don't do that a lot in our culture. We just, if we want something, we get it. We have it right then and right there. But really, when you deny yourself something, you appreciate it all the more. So I've got this little rule that I really don't want to eat roast turkey or stuffing after the 4th of July. I get really frustrated. It's just confession. I mean, you can just judge me if you want, but you have your quirks too. So in October, in no, early November, if somebody cooks Thanksgiving dinner, I really kind of get frustrated about that. I'm like, I can't eat that yet. Why? Because I want to do without it so that on Thanksgiving day, I can really enjoy the meal. Can I, can, can I get a witness? Y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. There's something about doing without it that makes you appreciate it all the more. This is true in all of life. So you never really appreciated the fact that, so, that somebody else did your laundry until you had to do what? Your laundry. You never appreciated the fact that somebody else paid the bills until you had to what? Pay the bills. That's exactly right. You see, there's a there's this truth inside of all of us that, that a desire or a longing is created when we deny ourselves, when we do without it. Some of you have had this experience. You did not appreciate your good health until you didn't have health anymore, right? And then the, the minute you didn't have health or the minute a loved one, you, someone you care about didn't have health, you longed for, you desired health that you didn't know you really appreciated. Some of you had jobs, And you complained about your job, and you complained about work, and then you lost your job. You went for a while, and you were unemployed. What happened during that time of employment? Suddenly, you longed and you desired to have work again. And it wasn't just about the income. It was about your self-confidence. It was about what you could contribute. Some of you have lost loved ones. Many of you, most of you, in fact, have lost loved ones. And it's in the absence that you realize how much you appreciate, how much you long for them, how much you desire that person that meant so much for you. See, the longings in our heart are really fueled by our lack of having something. When we are denied something. I've got a confession to make to you. Uh, uh, really, this whole idea, some of you have heard the songs, the sentimental songs about how we wish it could be Christmas every day. I think that would be awful. Right? I think that would be awful. Because if it was Christmas every day, then, no, then we'd never have Christmas. We would never really appreciate that. In fact, I've got just, since I'm already just out there about the holidays, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you something else. Some of you can relate to this. I am actually a little disappointed on Christmas Day. Aren't you? I mean, the height of the experience for me is Christmas Eve. Right, we, we come here, we light candles, we sing carols, we take communion, we're hugging people we haven't seen in a while. The anticipation is growing, the children are so excited. There is no more special moment than then. And then Christmas morning comes and it looks like a hurricane ripped through the house. And it's over. And you are never farther away from Christmas than you are on Christmas Day. Because in my house, we've got this little board that says how many days, you know, and one of my kids will always erase it and write 365. (laughs) See, there's something about the longing and the anticipation that we have. There's something about Advent that I think points us to the longings. There's echoes of longings deep inside the human soul that we can't quite identify. This is universally true. I don't care how old you are or how young you are or if you come from a different background, everybody has this experience. There are these longings and desires inside of us and it seems like nothing ever quite satisfies it. For some of you, you have experienced it when you've gone to the mountains and you've had maybe a great view of the mountains and you've gotten up early in the morning and watched the sunrise and you've seen the mist on the mountains and there's there's something elusive about that like it's right there and yet it seems so far away from you. Or, or maybe you've gone to the beach and you hear the sound of the ocean and the waves hitting the shore. And, and there's something that you realize it's bigger than you. There's this desire inside of you and you can't quite name it. You can't quite identify it, but, but it stirs deep inside of you. Maybe it's that feeling for a, from the very first kiss. Or maybe it's the, the first time you hear a baby laugh. The first warm day of spring or the first cool day of autumn, there's something elusive. There's something that stirs inside of us, a longing, a desire. It's like it's just out in front of us, but we can't quite get our hands around it. It's like the Jaguars in the Super Bowl. It's, it's, it's universal. There is, it's like an itch inside your soul that you can never quite scratch. And here's what I want to talk about as we set up this Advent series. God gave you that. I, I don't know if you've ever considered this, but, but the fact that you feel that way, the fact that there is a longing and a desire inside of you is, is, the re, is the reality that God has placed that there. And so what I want to talk about today is why did God give us a longing and a desire That we can't seem to satisfy. What are the dangers involved with that? And ultimately how will God fulfill it? We're going to look at several passages in the scripture. But one where we're going to be for a little bit of time is Ecclesiastes chapter 2. So if you want to start looking for it, we'll put all the scripture on the screen as well. If you don't have a Bible at home, there's a Bible on the end of the pew. We'd love for that to be our gift to you today. God made us with these longings. Why? Let, let's start with this. Let's start start with talking about the purpose of longing. What is the purpose of the longing that God seems to have planted inside each and every one of us? In fact, the Bible is full of people who are overwhelmed with longings. Let me just share a couple verses with you. King David, a man who is recorded as being a man after God's own heart. Listen to what he said in Psalm 13, verse 1 and 2. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Some of you feel that way today. How long, O Lord? Will you forget me forever? Will you forget my condition forever? How long, O Lord, will you forget me? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? The Old Testament prophet of Habakkuk said this, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save from the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end, there are constant people who are constantly people who are crying out to God with a longing and a desire in their heart and God doesn't seem to satisfy it. God doesn't seem to answer that prayer. And it's not because they're not faithful and it's not because they don't love God. There is something else going on. Because there's a purpose behind the longings God has placed inside the human soul. Every longing is a reminder that we are waiting on God. Every desire you've ever had is a reminder. It's a road sign that says you ultimately, the thing you ultimately want, the thing you ultimately desire, the thing you're ultimately waiting for, is not a spouse and it isn't good health and isn't a certain amount of money in the bank account? Ultimately, what you are waiting for is God. C.S. Lewis famously said, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world And your longings and your desires remind you every day you were not made for this place. You were made for something else. And so if there's a desire in your heart, a longing that you have, and you can't seem to find any satisfaction, it's just reminding you that you're waiting on God. The writer of Hebrews actually gave a list of people from the Bible Big names, the who's who of the Bible. And he went through and listed all these things that these people did and and their experience of faith. And listen to how he wraps this up. Hebrews 11, verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar. (laughs) That it was just out in front of them. They saw it, but they never actually grabbed it they were never actually able to experience it and having acknowledged listen to what they reasoned having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on earth for people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland they all recognize that the reason they couldn't finally grasp what it was that they desired the thing that they were longing for is because it wasn't going to be found here they were aliens and strangers if they have been thinking of that land from which they had gone out they would have had opportunity to return. But, it, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. Do you hear what, what the writer of Hebrews is saying? These great men and women of faith, every single one of them have had the same experience that you have had. There have been longings and desires deep inside of their soul that God put them there. But they recognized and understood that there was nothing on this earth that was going to finally satisfy that longing and desire. And so they didn't put their hope in the things of this world. They understood that that longing and desire was pointing them to something higher, someplace else. And they didn't go back and try to medicate their longings and desires with the things of this world. They instead looked forward to the home that God had prepared for them where every desire would be met and every longing would be fulfilled have you ever considered what your unfulfilled longings are really about have you ever thought what is it that i really really want i'm not talking about the thing i'm talking about the thing behind the thing you see it's not just that you want a new a new house a nicer house it's something else It's not just that you want a new car. It's something else. It's not just that you want a spouse. There's something else behind the thing. There's a thing behind the thing, and until you know what it is, you will continue to confuse why you have longings and desires, that those longings and desires are pointing you somewhere else. See, some of you have remained unhappy in your life because you keep expecting your spouse or your children or your job to make you happy, to satisfy the longings of your heart. The problem is those things were never designed to satisfy. The longings inside of you. Your spouse, as good as he or she may be, was never intended to satisfy the deepest longing and desires of your heart. Your job, no matter how great it may be, was never intended to bring you ultimate satisfaction. And so you live in a constant state of frustration. You live in a constant state where you're constantly looking and you think you finally got it only to be disappointed and then you trade the spouse in for another one or you trade the job in for another one or you trade the car in for another one. Some of you are sitting with people and your expectation of them is that they would satisfy the deepest longing and desires of your heart and you owe them an apology because they were never meant to satisfy that. That longing was placed inside of you to point you to God. That is the purpose of the longing God has placed inside of you. And when we don't look for our satisfaction in God, it leads us to the pitfall of longing. And the pitfall of longing is this. Our attempt to satisfy our longings with anything other than God, that's the pitfall. It's the pitfall of every longing. Any desire you have that you try to seek to satisfy with something other than God, you just fell into the pitfall of longing. Let, let me tell you uh, the story of a man, a uh, famous man, uh, the wisest man the world has ever known, the richest man who has probably ever lived. His name is King Solomon. You can read a lot about him in the Old Testament. Towards the end of King Solomon's life, King Solomon wrote a very revealing autobiography called Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. And I want to invite you to open up with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and see what King Solomon had to say as he realized that he had fallen into the pitfall of longing. Now let me just remind you, King Solomon had more money than you'll ever have. He, he, had, he was smarter than you'll ever be. And he had more wives than you'll ever want. <laughs> Listen to what he said, Ecclesiastes chapter 2. I said in my heart, okay, this is Solomon talking to himself. I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure enjoy yourself. I search with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. My heart still guided me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. You know what he said? Let me just translate that. He said, the first thing I tried to do to fill the longing in my heart is I tried to drink and I did it responsibly and I did it irresponsibly. And then he goes on, he said, and I made great works I built houses and plant, planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. Historians say that Solomon was one of the greatest builders the world has ever known. Some of the ancient wonders of the world were built by Solomon. He said he did all of that. And then he goes on and and he says, I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. You know what he's talking about? Power. He tried to satisfy the longing with building projects he tried to satisfy the longing with alcohol and wine he tried to satisfy the longing with power over people slaves people who were born in his house I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the treasures of kings and providences I got singers both men and women and many concubines the delights of the sons of man the Bible tells us that Solomon had a thousand wives and concubine and I know what you're thinking How in the world did he remember all those anniversaries? But he said, you know what? I tried all that. Then he said, so, so, I became great. I did all this. I became great. And I surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. There was nothing that he saw that he wanted that he couldn't have. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart found pleasure in all my toil, and this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done, and the toil I had expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. The richest man who ever lived, the wisest man who ever lived, he said, I couldn't build enough, I couldn't drink enough, I couldn't find enough women, I couldn't have enough power. I couldn't own enough stuff. But we don't even have to go back as far as Solomon. We don't even have to go back to the Bible. Listen to what the actor Jim Carrey said. Jim Carrey said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they've ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. English actor and comedian Russell Brand said this I thought it would be good to be rich and famous. It'd be good to have stuff and have money and be invited to the party. Well, I've been invited. I've been in. And we're having this chat in this Swish private men's club in East London. It's super cool. There's bare brick walls and everyone is double good looking. But I've been inside now. I've seen the other side of the looking glass and it ain't flipping worth it. It doesn't feed your soul. I still feel empty inside. What did Russell Brand say? What did Jim Carrey say? They said exactly what Solomon said. You can try to satisfy it with all the things that earth can give you, and you will fall into the pit. And I just wonder how many of you have fallen into the pit. What are you pursuing to satisfy your longings that you know, you already know it will never bring ultimate satisfaction to you? You already know that thing has an expiration date on it. Good looks will only last so long. That job will only last so long. That car depreciated the minute you drove it off the lot. What is it? How have you fallen into the pit? Listen to what the psalmist said, Psalm 73. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you Psalm 63:1 Oh God you are my God I shall seek you earnestly my soul thirsts for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water The thing that my soul desires cannot be found here Because I live in a dry and thirsty land there is no water there is no satisfaction for my soul because I was not made for this place the longing is pointing me somewhere else. So this brings us to the promise of longing. And I think we see the promise of longing best in the Christmas story, which is why I love the Advent season. Mary and Joseph, uh, you're familiar with the story. Uh, Young teenage girl, probably no more than 16, 17 years old. They're forced because of Of The government census to go to a place that was not their home. The child is born um, in a stable. Eight days after the birth of Jesus, Mary and Joseph, being good Jewish parents, knew they had to take the baby to the temple where he would be dedicated and circumcised. And we get to a part of the Christmas story that, honestly, we often overlook. But I want us to look at it today because I think it speaks to the promise of the longing in our heart. You see, there was an older couple in the temple a man named Simeon and a woman named Anna. They were near 100. Their 80s, 90s, 100. They were, they were elderly people. And the Bible tells us that they had been waiting for their entire lives. The anticipation and the longing had been building up in their hearts. And so Mary and Joseph come in with this baby just like hundreds of people have come in with hundreds of babies before. And they bring Jesus into the temple and Simeon, the priest, is there to perform the dedication. And this is what the scripture says, Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting and waiting and waiting year after year, decade after decade, every baby that came in waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, the last time a prophet had spoken was 400 years before. There were faithful men and women who were born, lived their lives, and died and never saw the fulfillment of this promise. But Simeon believed because God had told him, Simeon, you're going to see it. And he'd lived his entire life waiting for this day. I can die because I've seen him. And Simeon never heard, never heard Jesus teach. And he didn't hear the Sermon on the Mount. And he didn't see him restore sight to the blind. And he didn't see him raise Lazarus from the dead. And he didn't hear the message in the upper room about love and experience Jesus washing his dirty feet. And he didn't see Jesus walk to the cross. And he didn't see the nails that were driven in his hands. And he didn't hear him speak those words, Father forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. And he didn't see him die. And he didn't see him three days later as he victoriously rose from the dead. But he believed. Just like all those people before him who had lived in faith, knowing that the deepest longing and desire of their heart was pointing them something to somewhere beyond this world. And there was a woman also in the temple. She'd been a widow for 84 years. She was probably over 100 years old. And she decided when her husband died, she was just going to give herself to the temple and she volunteered and she worked in the temple day in and day out and every day she waited and just at that moment, Anna walked in as Simeon was dedicating Jesus and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. They waited their entire lives and they only saw a glimpse. They only saw the tiniest Tiniest portion as they looked at that baby and they believed in faith. For every one of you who is waiting on the Lord, listen to what the prophet Isaiah says. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Do you trust him? Do you trust that he will bring the satisfaction? For the longings that you have. Do you trust that he will be the one. Who will fulfill the deepest desires of your heart. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord. Will renew their strength. How do you think Simeon and Anna did it so long? Their hope was in God. And listen church. We still wait today don't we? We wait. I mean all you have to do is turn on the radio or dial up the internet or or, or go turn on the television and, and you see all the ways in which our world is waiting, as you see destruction and as you see sickness and disease and as you see hatred and infighting and there's such a lack of peace and it seems like the world just continues to spiral out of control and we wait with eager anticipation for something. We know it's not supposed to be like this deep inside our heart and soul. We know there's something better than this. There's got to be something better than this. And so we wait with a longing and a desire. Because Jesus didn't just come. But he comes to us. And he will come. See, the promise of longing is that Jesus has came, Jesus came, that he comes, and that he is coming into your heart. We celebrate the fact that Jesus came, that he brought redemption and salvation. We live in the awareness that he comes to us today in unexpected ways if we will open our eyes and see it. But we also live with the anticipation that he will come again and he will wipe every tear from our eyes and there will be no more sickness and no more death. And he will say, behold, I am making all things new, and he's going to start with you. He's going to start with your relationship, and he's going to start with our world, and he's going to make it new, and he's going to fill the desires of our heart. You see, Simeon and Anna saw Jesus because they recognized that the longing that was inside of them was a longing that nothing on earth could satisfy. They recognized that the longing inside of them was a longing for God. And they lived every day of their life with the expectation and anticipation that God would be the one to satisfy their longing. And so they remained fully present every day, every day, looking for the promise of God. And then when God showed up, they were able to recognize his activity. Why? Because they did not medicate their longings and desires with temporary satisfaction that this world had to offer. Did you hear what I said? The reason they could see Jesus, I'm convinced the reason that they knew that that baby was the fulfillment of the promise that God had made was because they did not allow themselves to medicate the longings and desires of the heart with temporary satisfactions so that when Jesus showed up, when God appeared, they immediately knew it was God. And I just wonder how many of us are medicating our longings, we're medicating our desires. Just binge watch Netflix long enough and maybe the longing will go away. Just drink a little more and maybe the desire will subside. Just buy something else. Just get online. If I could just, if I could just lose this much weight, if I could ha- just have this kind of spouse, if I could just get this kind of job and we medicate and we medicate and we medicate the desire and pretty soon we have so obscured our vision that we wouldn't recognize the fulfillment of God's promise if it walked right in front of us. Church, this is serious. This is happening at Christmas time, especially. Everything on television is trying to tell you that if you want to have a fulfilled, joyful, happy family, all you have to do is find it on the internet and buy it on Cyber Monday. And it's a lie. And we continue to medicate the longing and the desire. What is the real desire of your heart this Christmas? What is it that you really want? Are you living every day with the hope and anticipation that God is going to satisfy the ultimate desires of your heart? That you are not looking for that to be satisfied in anything temporary. Are you fully present, tuned in to what God is doing in and around you right now? And it may be painful. And it may be uncomfortable. But it's where God is. And that's where, that's where the deepest desires of your heart can be found is wherever he is. This morning, I'm going to ask you to do something. We're going to not have a, a, an invitation, but we are extending to you uh, an invitation. I want you to take your communication card that Darren spoke about earlier, and, and there in the prayer section, I just want you to take a few minutes. And I want you, if you feel so inspired in the next few seconds, to just write down what is it that you're longing for? What do you really want this Christmas? What is the deepest desire of your heart? What is it? We're going to invite you just to write that down. Maybe you don't want to write it on there. Maybe you want to write it somewhere else and keep it privately. That's that's fine too. But I, I just want to encourage you as we prepare for the celebration, the arrival of Jesus To ask yourself, what is the thing behind the thing that I really want? Because I believe if you could dig through all of it, if you could just dig through all of it, what's really at the heart of it is a desire for the presence of God in your life. And that's what he came to give you. Let's pray. Father, we give you thanks For the season of Advent, not just for Christmas, as great as that day is, but Lord, may we not rush through the next few weeks with all the busyness and the noise and the clamor and miss, I think, an invitation from you to explore the desires and the longings of our heart. To know, Father, that you put them there to remind us that this world is not our home. You put them in us to remind us that you are longing for us just as we're longing for you. Lord, may that be the driving force in our lives, not just at Christmas time, but all year long. Father, would you help us to avoid the pitfalls of our longings? Help us not to medicate them with temporary satisfaction. But Father, help us to see the promise in every longing fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that this Christmas will be more special than any that any of us have ever had. Not because we get what we want, but because we get you. And we know and are convinced that you are enough. We pray this and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.